This is For Advisors by Advisors. I'm your host, Evan J. Mayer, and today we have a very special guest in Mr. Howard Davis. How you doing, Howard? Doing great. How are you, Evan? I'm doing excellent. Howard is the National Sales Director of Edison Risk. Howard was uh, in the wholesaling business, though, for many years. Started in 2014 with AXA and then a short trip at Hartford and then a lot longer trip at Protective Life. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Devin. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us how you got started in the business. Uh, okay, great. So when I was finishing up college at the University of Florida in Gainesville, I knew I wanted to move to New York City, but really didn't have exactly the idea of what I wanted to do. So I started talking to some family resources, family friends, people that I trusted and was just kind of interested in where and what I can do to get to New York. And I met someone who was very high up in AXA Financial at the time and introduced me to the internal wholesaling world of the annuity world. So so you knew you wanted to go to New York? I knew I wanted to move to New York City. Okay. And it was just more for the experience of being in the city or because that's where the job market was? Actually, most of my best friends from high school went to all different schools and we all just said, hey, let's all reconvene in New York City after college. And literally my six closest friends and I moved to New York City. Now, when you took the role as an internal with Axel, was it, was the thought like, I'm going to be an internal for a year, two or three, and then move to the external route? Or like, was it just, hey, I just wanted to find any job to get me to New York City? It's <laughs> actually a good question. So I got on the desk and I didn't know what the desk was. I didn't even know what an internal wholesaler was until training. But once you get on the desk, they show you the role. You're an internal wholesaler that works for an external wholesaler. And once you're good enough as an internal you then want to become external because that's the more lucrative role and your more final role towards retirement. Got it. And so you were there for a few years. You left, you went to Hartford for, for a short trip and then protective. I was at the Axis Sales in New York City from 04 to 06 and a half. All like internal? June. All internal. They offered me a few unique territories in the north parts of the country that, and I really just wanted to come down to Florida and had an opportunity to move down to South Florida with Hartford. So I jumped on that in 2008. You were done with New York? Done with New York, two and a half years. I was done with New York, found the woman who I actually ended up marrying, moved down here back to Florida in the end of 2006 to start with Hartford. Excellent. And you were at Hartford for a short period and then? Two years until the financial crisis. Got it. And then went layoffs, I'm guessing, at Hartford? So yeah. So unfortunately in the wholesaling business, you're only at your carriers disposal, the insurance company. So yes, when the financial crisis in 08 happened, they got rid of 80% of the sales force and anybody under two years of tenure was gone. And then protective, you started as an external there? Started as an external covering South Florida, a $0 territory. It was a brand new first territory of Florida. And I, so I took over the Florida territory for protective to start it from scratch. So let's talk about AXA. Let's talk about your time there. And the reason I'm interested is that I think as advisors, we understand our business and you as wholesalers understand a lot of our business. Um, what we don't understand per se is what you guys are doing as far as behind the scenes, what your goals are, what are some of the things that financial advisors would be interested to know about the wholesaling world. So tell us a little bit about being on the internal desk. Okay, so as an internal, it's a little bit different. In New York City, I mean, this was the best job I've ever had still to this day, right? I had no stress. I got there at nine, I left at five. I made $85,000 in 2004, coming right off of, right out of college, 
lived with my two best friends and walked to work every day in New York City. This was the best job ever. Loved it. As an internal, you got there and basically you just did whatever your external needed, whether it was sending out rates, emails, following up on business, following up on applications. The internal role is basically the if you think about it as the back office of the external, doing all of the things on a day-to-day basis to make sure the territory is operational and flowing. Did you report directly to him? You report directly to your external wholesaler from a business standpoint. And that's not always the same way, right? I mean, in some places, the internals deal with an internal manager. So there's always going to be an internal manager managing the desk because it's just a big group of usually people just out of college. But they're always directly reporting to their external wholesaler from a business aspect. And then there's going to be a sales desk manager managing all the college kids, let's say. What was the part of that you really enjoyed and what were the parts that you just, you dreaded? So it was right out of college. So it was nice that it was a stress-free job. I didn't have to take it home with me like the external did, right? I didn't have any work to do at night. It was New York City in a really hot time and it was fun and fast. And I really, really enjoyed that life before I became an external. And then what parts were dreadful? Dreadful was if I was in control of a certain piece of business, financial advisor or team, and then somehow we lost that team or lost a huge piece of business. And I had to explain that to the external who was counting on it. That was probably the most dreadful part of an internal. But like I said, it's a pretty stress-free job. So it was, you come and do- So there was no sales quotas or anything that you had to experience that, like how many calls you had to make per day, things along those lines. You had to hit a number of daily calls and time spent on the phone, especially at AXA. I do not think every organization is the same, but AXA has got to be the most professional organization I've ever worked at in the annuity space. And yes, everybody had time, number of calls, number of time on the phone, and then you were paid a very, very, very small commission on the territory's production. Got it. And were you with the same external the whole time? I was, and I was fortunate enough to have a guy that was an old school wholesaler that put into his contract only one internal, where most internals had two externals. Got it, so you just worked with him the whole time. Yep. And obviously you left for the opportunity for an external. Was there a situation at AXA where you were like, hey, I've been here, I've been on the desk now three or four years, I want this external route. And you were like, hey, but Florida's just not available. What was that thought? Yes, unfortunately that is what happens is you're on the desk, you're at the mercy of the company to hand you any territory that comes available and you're expected to take it. You're expected to say, thank you so much. Yes, I'm on the next flight there. And you know what? My two territories offered from AXA were just not my cup of tea at the time. I love Where would those, you have gone? I love those places now, but at the time they offered me West Virginia and then they offered me a Kentucky oh, wow. territory as well. So just not right for me at the time to lose to leave New York City. But now looking back, honestly, I probably professionally should have taken one of those. Yeah, I mean, well, just because they don't come up that easily. So, and then Hartford, you end up getting Florida, you interview and you get Florida. Now that's shocking to me because from what I've heard, like Florida is always the preferred destination. And like normally whatever firm you're at, if you were there and you were a top producer, maybe you get the opportunity for Florida. How did that kind of fall into place? Florida was lucky. I have to say it happened. The territory opened. I knew a contact of the manager that was interviewing. And I just said, look, I may not be ready or I may not deserve this, but let me interview for it. So I flew down, interviewed it for the next day in South Florida with the managing partner. And it was a great interview and he loved me and called me the next day and said, I'm definitely leaning towards you. And I said, what do you need me to do? And he asked me for a couple of things. I did it within five minutes and 
That was it. And I started that job. So tell us about that. So that's your first time as an external. You're no longer sitting on the desk. Now you got to travel. Now you got to go out and do the appointments that your internals booking for you, which is primarily in the business too. The internal is the one booking the appointments for the external. Is that fair? Yes. And for the most part, the internal is going to book appointments. The external is going to book some appointments just randomly throughout the day. And then a lot of external wholesalers hire a scheduler. A scheduler is basically given lists by the external to call and schedule the appointments and keep a packed calendar. And that's what happened at Hartford for you? That was what happened at Hartford back in the traditional wholesaling days, pre-pandemic, when the wholesalers were out all day. It was literally a nine o'clock meeting, a 1030 meeting, a lunch meeting, a 1.30 meeting, a 3.30 meeting, a happy hour at five, and then maybe a dinner. And that was a traditional wholesaling life. It was a grind. And you were how old when you got that job? So that was, Hartford was in sixth, wait, in 2006. So I was 25. Wow. So you were young too for an external. I was a young external wholesaler, a lot of energy. So I think young externals do very well, put in the right environment. And I had AXA's experience from training. So I had access experience from training, which I would say is the best training out there. And then a company in Hartford that believed in young, energetic wholesalers behind me. So I was off running. And you were doing annuities then and annuities at AXA? Variable annuities the whole way. Really, the index world has, hadn't taken off yet or even started. And fixed annuities were very low rates. So it was all variable all day, all the time. And then you left and you get an opportunity at Protective. Yes. So I left Hartford because of the financial crisis. Everybody was out. I applied to three different jobs. I actually landed all three, all wholesaling jobs. And I ended up taking protective because it was a start fresh territory. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to build something from scratch. All in South Florida. I actually started with the whole state of Florida. And within one month, I convinced protective to hire a wholesaler for the North part of the state, because it's really an unmanageable territory all in all. Yeah, I mean, in South Florida, it's a kind of a, a unique beast on its own. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I had met you when you were a wholesaler for Protective. And funny enough, we mentioned Joe Lucini. Joe Lucini said, hey, there's a twin out there. He's working in the wholesaler <laughs> world. I'm like, he better be a good looking guy. So I ended up meeting with you and getting to know you then. Um, tell us about that, bringing Protective from zero to wherever it got to. What was that experience like? So Protective was fantastic. A great working environment, great culture, very Southern, very hospitality, nice, happy, friendly place. And they were very open saying, hey, we know that you're starting this, go out and do it and we're gonna be with you. So what happens in the wholesaling world is they give you a guarantee. They say, hey, we'll give you this amount of money every month, no matter what, doesn't matter what business comes in and you have this amount of time to go build it and get your business up. So it really doesn't matter what kind of business you're doing in the meantime, because you're not earning off of that. You're just getting a guaranteed stipend, mm -hmm. which happens quite a bit, especially when wholesalers leave uh, insurance companies and go to another insurance company, they usually make them some sort of guarantee to move them over. So it was very much like that. So I had a roughly an 18 month to two year window to go build enough reps doing business. And then I would be a hundred percent commissioned as a traditional wholesaler. Did the advisors down here, did they know about Protective? Did they know about the product line or did most people you call upon, was it new to them? Protective had a good rep in the life insurance world, especially the term life insurance world. And they've been around since the early 1900s. So a lot of advisors had heard of them. No clients had heard of them, but most advisors had at least heard of them and were open to the conversation. And what were some of the things you hated about being a wholesaler on the external side? My guess is that there would be points in time where 
you know, enough dinners and enough sitting down with reps and enough like steakhouses, you were like kind of probably staked out at one point as crazy as that, as a horrible of a situation as that is. Like, I would guess you get to those levels. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. So you're wholesaling for a long time. And obviously pre-pandemic, it was different. It was set schedules all day long. You know what? The company wanted to see the schedule, wanted to see your activity, wanted you to report everything, document everything. So honestly, that was probably my least favorite part is like, I had them watching over every single thing I was doing. And that's not what a sales guy needs. A sales guy really needs to just be open, do his thing, see his vision and go do what he wants to do to build it or what she wants to do to build it. And I just wasn't, that's not the typical structure of the annuity wholesaler for a carrier. Meaning that most of the wholesalers on the internal side for annuities or for any companies, there's not normally a big micromanagement and protective was. No, I would say there's a very big micromanagement across the board. I think every wholesaler that you know that works for an insurance company has to log every single bit of activity, put in a detailed report of what the meeting was about and whatnot, and are tracked every way. Maybe even have a tracker in their car now for mileage. Really? Tracker tracker for mileage of what? I believe that. Wow. Wow. And you did that for how many years were you at Protective? So I was an internal on the Access Sales Desk for two and a half years. I was with Hartford for two years and then Protective for six and a half. Six and a half. Now, you didn't go to be another wholesaler. So talk about that. What I mean, normally when people hit that external route, they're in that role for 10, 15, 20 years. They bank and then they're either out of the business doing something else or they stay in the business. I mean, it can be a very lucrative spot. What transpired? It sure can. Wholesaling's amazing. I love the industry, but here's what I ran into. And you've already hit one. We, you didn't ask me how my protective career ended. And that's where I would have got to the second. Hartford ended with the financial crisis. I didn't create the financial crisis. I didn't create the bank problems. And yet they got rid of 80% of the sales force. So I saw the first light of what could happen, right? I went and built a great territory. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. Protective, great. It was a phenomenal company. Everything was awesome. Birmingham, Southern Comfort, phenomenal. Well, in 2015, they started getting pitched to buy by other companies. And then they had a real offer from Daiichi Life, which is the number one insurer in Japan. In 2015, they started working on that. The deal went through in 2016. Now, Daiichi came in and was like, oh, who are all these guys making this number? And they explained who the wholesalers were. And they're like, oh, well, we like this model of maybe some younger guy that makes, you know, a third of that. And we think that model's better. So I saw my income drop within three months by about 60% from the protective model to the Daiichi model. And in my mind, I was saying, okay, well, I could move over to another carrier, but then I would be susceptible to the same thing. Every wholesaler has the same fear. Territory cuts, product cuts, comp cuts, none of which they can control. So at that point I said, okay, what can I do for myself for the future to really control that better? And I had already put in two and a half years at Hartford. I had already put in six years at Protective. Well, what if I had put that into an organization where I owned it and I had the control? That's what I wanted to find. And that's what I ended up doing after Protective was I found that role. So, and you had young kids. I have a 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 1-year-old. So when the Hartford debacle happened, I had my firstborn and a brand new house. And my wife looked at me and said, what are we going to do now? And so that really took me on the chin. Then protective happened. And yes, I was on my third kid at the time when that happened. And I said, and she still looked at me and said, okay, what now? 
So I really just wanted to get control of my future and really have ownership in what I do. And did protective state as protective as far as the name goes and it's still protective as of today? Protective, still protective as of today, owned by Daiichi Life, and they've changed their logo a few times over the years. Got it. So what are we doing now? Okay, great. So now I moved over to the IMO space. And if you thought the annuity space had a lot of acronyms, this is the like acronym world. IMO, the Insurance Marketing Organization, or the BGA, Broker General Agency, that world. And what that is, it's the intermediary between financial advisors and non-registered business, non-variable life insurance, non-variable annuities, long-term care, disability, and hybrid long-term care. I handle all of that for a boutique concierge company based out of Southeast Florida. And now I have all the control, right? So it was put into place where he can't cut my, no territory cuts, no comp cuts. I have every product. And now I walk into a financial advisor's office or my friend that I've known for 20 years and say, I'm no longer showing you all of the products from my carrier. I'm showing you all of the products from every carrier. And that's where I can be totally product agnostic. Yeah. And for the advisors that are listening to this podcast that are not on the independent chassis, they normally have to run a lot of their stuff through their broker dealer that normally has contracts with general agencies like yourself on the independent side, you can have an OBA if your firm allows you to, sure. and you can run that insurance directly through the general agencies such as yourself and in turn work for any of the different carriers that are out there. That's right. Now your role as national sales director, again, we all have roles. We were joking that, you know, Annie, her role in a different firm I saw is they have chief of staff. So every time I see her, I'm, I go, good morning, chief of staff. <laughs> um, you know, the role names can always change or be used in different ways. What do you actually do? Uh, okay, so that's a good question. I actually do exactly what I did before. I am a wholesaler on the IMO side of things, which does not traditionally exist. Most IMOs are ran on a desk. There are people sending out quotes, sending out rates, answering the phones, processing business. I took the wholesaling approach to this side because I felt that it would have bit, a lot of merit with a lot of my producers. So on a day-to-day -day basis, that's what I'm doing. Wholesaling, I am reaching out to my financial advisors, sending them updated rates, making sure I'm updating products, staying very competitive because I take the approach now for my financial advisors and say, why do you need to know all 60 annuities? Let me look at all 60 annuities, show you what the top products are, show you what the best income products are, and always be looking at all the changes because now we're seeing changes on a daily basis. What percentage of your business is annuities? What percentage of your business is life insurance? Good question. I would say my business is made up 70% of annuities, 30% of life insurance, fixed indexed annuities making up the majority of my annuity business. But per the organization, there may be restrictions on what type of annuities can be done. Yeah, so for some people, you may only be able to work with them on insurance if the annuities have to be done through the broker dealer. That's correct, yep. yeah. that makes sense. And as far as your territory, this is a small boutique South Florida firm. So your boutique, your territories is anywhere, is that? I cover the whole country. We have other wholesalers, a few other wholesalers around in target areas and have their own territories. But by and large, I do have the ability to cover the whole entire country. Since your experience with financial advisors is strong, pretty much since college, you've been working with financial advisors, either through internal, external, through different routes. What, in your opinion, makes a good financial advisor good or great? And what makes a bad financial advisor bad? So... I think that a great financial advisor would be someone who 
listens to the client to actually hear what they need or what they want out of life and what they want from their portfolio. Obviously, someone who studies the business and is good at learning the investments and understanding the investments and how it goes as well. But I feel like someone who cares, right? I feel I'll take my father as a real life example. When he sits down with a financial advisor to his retirement stage of life, he wants someone who's going to listen, going to want to know what he wants out of his retirement and can put together an actual plan, not just here's the numbers and here's the investment and how it works. And was that ever a thought of yours? I mean, being you know, sometimes you see wholesalers going and then becoming financial advisors. I've actually started to see that more often than not. Was that ever a thought of yours? I never wanted to be a financial advisor. I never wanted to manage people's money. I just can't stomach the ups and downs on that. I have lots of best friends who are in this business, guys who are in their wedding, and definitely love the profession and, and respect it very much. It's not something that I truly wanted. Now, I am able to write my own life insurance policy, or if I need an annuity, I can write that, but it's not the focus of my business at all. Yeah. And how many advisors do you are, like work with on a... We'll call it on a monthly basis because obviously cases come up, cases don't. How many advisors are you actually servicing at this point? I probably have 200 active reps that'll do business throughout the year in one way, shape, or form, some larger than others, but let's say 200 active agents. But you're happy in your new spot. I absolutely love it. I got offered a traditional wholesaling job a few months ago, a big job, and I turned it down. Well, that goes to show you, you did your time, you put your time in and you're happy with what you're doing. For sure. Excellent. Excellent. Any last piece of advice for the next gen advisors, the advisors that, you know, a lot of our podcasts, believe it or not, we have some next gen advisors that are listening because they're on their stage to entering this business. What would be some pieces of advice you would give them? I would say financial advisors need, and anybody in any industry needs to be a student of their business. You are a student of your business. That's your business for the rest of your life. It's what you want to do for a living. You should know everything you possibly could, should and could know about that business. I would say start there. And to tie this back to wholesaling in my world, use your wholesalers. Your wholesalers are there for a reason. There's no reason any financial advisor should have to know every single 60 annuities, changes, moving parts, riders, rates, and all of that when they have someone that that's strictly their job. And for those that are going into the wholesaling business and thinking that's going to be their next career, what would you advise those people? Rock and roll. Keep going. That is the business. That's a business I love. It leads to all kinds of stuff other possibilities it's lucrative as evan mentioned and who knows what the future is you're going to meet a lot of people in that small world and i absolutely love wholesaling and i'm 100 behind wholesaling excellent if anybody does want to get a hold of you either for the new opportunity or for those maybe advisors out there that are thinking about the wholesaling world might have a question or two how can somebody get a hold of you so I have my cell phone number i'm happy to give it out here would you like me to yeah if you'd like to. okay so 954 still a uh, broward number 954-263-7625 is my cell phone i'm also at howard.davis at edisonrisk.com e-d-i-s-o-n-r-i-s-k.com they can find you on linkedin maybe not daily but maybe weekly LinkedIn, I'm checking it, trying to check it on a weekly basis these days. I know the world has changed in that retrospect, but I'm checking LinkedIn as well. But yeah, please reach out. Happy to help. I'm happy to show you what's different in the IMO space and how I do things a little differently. Excellent. Thank, thanks again, Howard. Thanks for coming in. For the advisors out there, hopefully you enjoyed today and you found value in it. And we look forward to seeing you at the next one. Thank you.